0: This is your host Tia. This is your host Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top Ten. Why? Eek vibes nation. Eek vibes nation. 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 The Top Ten. The Top. Everyone, welcome back to another amazing episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. As always, I'm your host, Tia. I got with me this morning, Brittany. How are you?
1: I am great. I feel like I can't start a podcast without talking about um, being swarmed with kittens because they love that I'm, I'm I'm trapped in one spot. They're like, hey, we know you're not moving for a little bit, so that means we get all the affection.
0: <laughs> yeah um i think the way the cats are with you is how the cats are with Polly. they don't leave him alone at night but me my buddy as you know always is lady she's sitting right next to me right now and life is good just because of that <laughs> I, I i think it's funny that when we very
1: first became friends you were like oh i would like a little dog like you know we have cats but i'd like a dog and then and now here we are with you with you absolutely loving your little dog
0: but for those who don't know i absolutely wasn't into the idea of having one at this moment because we have and i think i've said this on other podcasts but for those who are maybe just tuning in i have four cats and me and my boyfriend live in a one bedroom apartment and about four years ago, um, he brought home a dog because there was an elderly man who couldn't take care of the dog. And my assumption was, okay, well, we're only keeping this dog until, say, what you may calls it, um, someone else can take the dog. Because how can we have a dog with four cats in a one-bedroom apartment? Long story short... Um, we didn't find another home for her and thank God we didn't because I would never give this dog up for anything.
1: I feel like I'm in the same spot as you right now where we have the four cats and we had the extra kitten that we were still trying to find a home and me and Aaron are starting to agree that maybe this kitten is only a special kind of stupid that only we can appreciate and <laughs> it's like We're very tempted to keep them because it's just, like, you know, you get so attached to them when you, like, raise them, and they're, like, getting out of kitten phase, and and nobody will take them. You're just kind of like, well, we've survived this long with you, kitten.
0: Yeah, um, someone would have to battle me, like, sword and shield to try to take Lady away. I'm just saying right now, but, um... We are doing another top ten, as I said, and it's a pretty fun top ten, and it is the top ten most versatile actors because, I mean, there's a lot of talent in the pool right now, and we are big fans of actors who just can do it all, and I figured, why not? Now, of course, this... um, one particular episode of our podcast is probably more opinionated than most i think um we used to say in the past like hey it's our opinion if you don't agree that's fine um and i feel like we haven't said that in a while so you know if this isn't your top 10 that's perfectly fine but you're wrong no i'm joking oh but my cancelled but i'm pretty excited for the top 10 most versatile actors and i would like to say brittany that this does cover both um in the male category and the female category it's just you know actor is the overarching uh word to cover all of that yeah and i have an actress awesome no you know what it is it's like now um the categories are separated between actor and actress but i think at one point it was an umbrella term where everyone was considered an actor, so that's why I just wanted to say like this um, list isn't going to be just guys. You know, um, when I
1: was in school, I had a drama teacher who would get absolutely furious if you called a uh, an act like if you called a female actor an actress, and she's like, "We're both actors," like very very direct. Which I get it. I get it, but it was just the way she would say it. She, she has that air of, like, the, the lady that wears, like, the long robe after she murdered her husband type air. And she would, she if you said actress, she would go into full spiel about how they're not an actress. They're an actor that t- happens to be a woman.
0: I mean, I can get it because by separating the two words, you're almost saying as if, like, what an actress does can't be to the same caliber as an actor um so it's like I get that completely um and for the most part I think I call like uh female actors actor just because actress takes like a little too much if that makes sense but I do like some quotes of where people are like I'm an actress
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I, yeah, that's why I sit there always, like I always go in between because I feel like actress is the one that's more commonly used. But then I, then then I get like uh like I feel my uh, my drama teacher over my shoulder going, "I told you it was actor."
0: <laughs> oh man, it's like you're committing a sin, Brittany. Just remember that. Uh, the drama gods but- are gonna get me. Exactly. Oh my god, I'm sure, this, so this is so funny, um, Brittany and I, as we talk about all the time, have been watching American Gods Season 3, so you're saying Drama God, I'm like, I'm sure there is a God for, like, theater or something.
1: You know what, I would love that, I feel like they would be very dramatic, uh, I feel like that, that's stereotypical, but I feel like they would uh, they would be very, very exaggerated.
0: Yes, 100%, but it would kind of be hilarious to see, just saying. Just saying. Just saying, but um, before we get into the list, of course, you know that we always have to give a shout-out to our friends over at Stranger Damies. Um, they are the Real Play D&D podcast. They're part of the main Damie family of podcasts. You can check them out on Twitter and Instagram at Stranger Damies. They... Well, I think they're taking a break right now, but they got, like, a slew of episodes that you could check out, so just make sure you check them out over at Twitter, at Stranger Damies, for all of that. They'll also have announcements when they come back, but in the meantime, you can, of course, check out their other podcast called They Call This a Movie. Every week, they come out with a movie that they kind of, uh, not ripped to shreds, but... Um, critique in the best of ways and I was actually in one of those recent episodes last week I was invited to be on an episode to talk about Wonder Woman 1984 and kind of go through the things that were not so good about that movie and it was a lot of fun so again check them out either at Stranger Damies or Main Damie on Twitter and Instagram you can check out all their stuff Uh, Mark Anthony and Dan are absolutely fantastic guys, so just please make sure you check it out. I also want to give a quick shout-out um, to our really good friend, Sean Ventura um, from Lights Camera Pro. Recently, Sean and I did a podcast on The Flight Attendant, so you can check that out online right now. And I want to mention this because Sean actually is launching – well, has launched, but there's only like two episodes out – um, has launched a true crime podcast, and I've listened to it, and it's awesome. And I don't know about you, Brittany, I feel like I know about you, but um, I'm a huge fan of like true crime documentaries and shit like that. So it's a really cool podcast.
1: I'm gonna say I I am a big fan of them, but that is also what all my like what my parents would watch all my childhood, and which uh, gave me a big fear of being randomly murdered.
0: I mean, it's a lot right um the other day on Netflix, I watched a documentary about the night stalker, Richard Ramirez, which I feel like growing up, you never really heard about this guy um you heard about Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, but not for nothing not to make light of anything but kind of they didn't really hold a candle to this guy Richard Ramirez. I mean, the things that this guy did are freaking, like, horrifying, abhorrent. His body count is huge. And I never heard of him until a few years ago on the Internet just kind of like, you know, doing random searches where – Did you ever watch, not watch, did you ever read those articles where it's like uh, the last words of, you know, serial killers before they were put to death or something like that?
1: I've seen a bunch of those, but I I probably haven't seen his, but
0: now I'm curious. Give me me a quick uh, uh, summary. Okay, so first of all, um, the documentary on Netflix is very good. It's only four episodes. Uh, each episode being around, like, 40-something minutes each. And in the, like, mid to late 80s, there was this guy, Richard Ramirez, in Los Angeles, who literally would just murder mostly women. um, And just, he would... The way he did it was that he would go in at the night and pretty much like go break into someone's house to do it. That's why he gained the name the Night Stalker. Uh, or he'd stop your car and just pull you out of your car and do shit, right? Um and a big That's thing amongst up. Yeah and a big thing amongst like survivors were that um he need to see like this sounds really like intense, but he need to see like the fear in someone's eyes. Because there are a few survivors that survived. It was very clear that the reason why he didn't do anything is because they just didn't show any fear. Like, like there was this one woman who said that she was going into her house, right, through the garage. And he yeah. came up and he, like, you know, the detective was saying he could have easily just came up behind her and killed her because she didn't hear him. But instead, he, like, smacked the back of the car to get her attention, and he goes to shoot at her, but she lifts her arms and she had her keys in her hand. And literally the bullet got deflected by the keys, right? So what? he, yeah. So he like runs away and she goes into her home where unfortunately her roommate was killed. And then she comes out to the front and he's there again. And she's kind of like, she said that she literally said, you shot me once already. You're really going to shoot me again. And, like, he just Came stood back, there. like, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and he just, like, stood there and just, like, walked away. Like, didn't even run. She said he just walked away. Um, so, like, just, and this, that would scare
1: me more. Like, seeing somebody run off and then they come back. Like, like, I'd be like,
0: oh, man, they really want me dead. So, like, kudos on her, but jeez. Well, and the whole thing, too, with this guy was that um, he was... Like, he got famous because one survivor who was saying that, you know, like, he was threatening her and stuff. And she he was like, you know, don't scream or something. And she was like, I swear to God, I won't scream. And he was like, don't swear to God. Swear to Satan. And, like, that was, like, a big thing of his, right? was, like, the pentagram and Satanism and all that. And so he got captured, um, finally. And his whole thing was like, you think Ted Bundy had groupies? Like they were showing the amount of like nude pictures from women that were being sent to him. Like that he, and one of the guys was like, this guy had fucking sex appeal, which is like wrong to say about a fucking serial killer. But that was like his whole thing was that like he'd go into the court and like flirt with the women and like all these women were like flocking to him. And like one of the. Yeah, one of the detectives was saying, you know, he wouldn't reciprocate, he'd probably kill you if he had the chance. So it was really messed up, but the biggest thing to me that stood out with his story was how he was captured, because eventually they figured out who it was, obviously, throughout this whole time. At first, they didn't know who was committing these Heinous crimes, um, and then finally, when they figured out like that it was this guy Richard Ramirez, they put his picture out, blah blah blah, and pretty much like the the Hispanic community of L.A. Um, was responsible for capturing him because they saw him and like called nine one one. They pretty much like the whole neighborhood was like, "Hey, that's that guy. That's that like that's the guy who's." Killing all these people and literally like surrounded him on a block to until the cops could come to get ca- uh, to capture him.
1: That's so crazy. You know he's probably sitting there like oh, that. Oh, they know. They know because those those kind of people act so normal out in like real life. It's just I don't know.
0: Yeah, so it was pretty crazy, and I definitely suggest watching. The documentary on Netflix, Um, so learn a little bit about, like, if you're someone, like, let's admit, okay, we love watching true crime shit, even though it's terrible, even though, you know,
1: of course, it's horrible. Which is fascinating, because it's like, our brains don't work like that, and to see somebody capable of it, it's just so
0: curious. Right, so if you're curious about things and you've watched all you could watch about Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, Charles Manson, William, oh God, what was his name, Wayne Grady or something, The the guy that they actually got the inspiration to create the Joker from, that dude, right? If you've watched enough about those and you want to learned about another person, I highly suggest watching something about Richard Ramirez because that guy was one sick mother effer. But um, let's go into a nicer subject, our top 10 of the top 10 most versatile actors. Brittany, you're going to start us off, as always, with your number 10.
1: I'm going to start it out strong, and I'm going to say Hugh Jackman. Oh, nice. I know. Okay, my thought process on this is that I think we both got introduced to Hugh Jackman whenever we were younger and started watching X-Men, and it's like the Wolverine, you know, he was so aggressive, so, like, just very, like, very, uh, I love that Lil Verena is supposed to be short and Hugh Jackman is very not short, but he was just a very imposing figure. And just seeing him so aggressive, that's kind of like the idea we got of him. And then whenever I saw him after, uh, I think it was after his, I'm trying to remember when, uh, La came out, but watching that and seeing, I was like, oh, he can sing. And I was like, the, did somebody do the voice for him? Like I was just like I didn't know the Wolverine could sing. And Le Miz was so powerful and just like, yo, know, gut wrenching. And to see him in more of like a a softer role like that was really interesting. And also the greatest showman, which I have not seen, but I've listened to a lot of music from it. It just to see him more playful, I guess. It just really shows, like, oh, he's got, you know, quite the range. And even in Logan, which was so good, you do see a different version of, like, you know, Logan and, you know, with the Wolverine and seeing him just kind of, like, old and kind of withering and, like, you know, his, uh, his like, healing is starting to slow down. And to see him be able to flip from the Wolverine who was young and you know, he wasn't really young. He was born in like the eighteen hundreds, but you know, being able to handle it, it was just really interesting. So I was like, Man, this dude's got range. He's 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 versatile. <laughs>
0: Um, Hugh Jackman, first of all, is a very talented actor, and I do want to agree with your sentiment that my introduction to him was as Wolverine in the X Men films, which I thought he did a great job. I mean, it's really hard to imagine that someone else could take the reins of Wolverine, um, but yes, yeah, so he did a great job with that, and I loved him in Lames. Um I think that's a big thing like Hugh Jackman can like sing. Um which is so cool. Um he was great in Les Mis. I also haven't watched The Greatest Showman, but just for him to be able to kind of balance these whole being very serious as the Wolverine and being so believable as Logan to then switch to being very tragic in Les Mis or very maybe jovial in The Greatest Showman and other works of his is just really a good testament to how talented and versatile of an actor he is.
1: I just love him. I just, like, ever since I was a kid, I feel like he was, like, my version of, like, Sylvester Stallone is to you. Oh, my
0: God. I will say that as much as I love Sylvester Stallone, he won't be on this list. But Hugh Jackman, definitely a fantastic way to start off this podcast. Um, I think he is a great actor. I can't wait to see what he does next. Um, And just to kind of put it out there, it is hilarious that he was playing. When we were younger, right, because I loved all those movies, but I didn't really read comics when I was a kid at so, I had no idea that Wolverine was supposed to be short um seeing him in live action that is what I assumed Wolverine was supposed to be. but Hugh Jackman's like six foot five, and I believe realistically Wolverine is supposed to be like five foot four or something like that. He's not supposed to be tall.
1: I wonder if they were trying to make him short because of like you know, being called the Wolverine, which is, you know, smaller but very aggressive animal. Uh, But I don't, I don't, but he was, like, I know, I remember, like, in the comics, like, um, you know, because obviously, like, when you're younger, you're, like, very like in those kind of shows you know the women are always shorter than the man and these type of things and i think i remember in like the uh show remember the animated show he was shorter than everyone and i i think like my brain was like huh i didn't know that was possible
0: yeah exactly so that those could be all great reasons but awesome awesome job starting off the tent uh The number 10 slot, I'm going to get number 9, and the actor that I'm going to be covering, um, unfortunately, is not with us anymore, but I couldn't have a list of the most versatile actors and not include him as being one of the most versatile actors, in my opinion, Um, and that's going to be Heath Ledger. Um, That's uh, good. I don't think it's a surprise for anyone who knows me or anyone who's listened to this podcast that I love Heath Ledger. Um, Even when he was still alive, I was a big fan from his roles in A Knight's Tale, Ten Things, I Hate About You. I just really thought that he was such a great actor. He brought such a great thing. And I'm going to sit here and tell you that. I feel in my bones and I could be wrong, this is a bold statement here and I'm not trying to be insensitive but it's just how I feel that if Heath Ledger were still alive I feel like he could have played Thor because they look similar and I believe they're both Australian Um, and I remember when and I remember when the first Thor movie was out and they casted uh, Chris Hemsworth, I was like, you know, this could have been Heath Ledger's role. Um, so I just remember that. I mean, I don't know if that's something that Heath Ledger would have been into per se, but just saying. Um, so we have those uh, those roles, right, the ones that I just mentioned, A Night's Tale, Ten Things I Hate About You, which are great freaking movies, and you should check them out if you haven't. Um, but then on top of that to do Monster's Ball, Brokeback Mountain. So let's talk about Brokeback Mountain before we talk about the obvious, right? Um, I saw Brokeback Mountain years after it came out because I think when it came out, I was, like, young. Yeah, I was in, like, 2005. Um, I wasn't really watching movies like that, like, romantic movies. It wasn't really my scene or anything. So I watched it, like, years later, and I was so taken back. Both by both Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger's performances, they both did such a phenomenal job in that. Um, so again, to go from where in A Night's nice Tale he's this charming, uh, you know, underdog, and then in Ten Things I Hate About You he's the mysterious bad boy, but then in um, Brokeback Mountain to be playing all these layers of a person who um, You know, struggling with his sexuality, has this traumatic past with his father, um, you know, blah, 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 like all those different type of layers. And then, of course, to go from that to then go on to play the Joker, probably like, Joaquin Phoenix did an amazing freaking job in 2019, right? Um, But Heath Ledger's Joker performance, I think, has like transcended everything. I mean... It was such a
1: female.
0: Yeah, I mean, for a while, I thought to myself, "How could you not play it the way Heath Ledger played uh, Joker?" It was just so amazing. It was just, it was. I don't even know how to describe it in the way that when I saw it on screen, I was so amazed by it because to give that sort of performance is just unbelievable, Um, and. It's crazy because I didn't think he could do it at first because at that point when I was a fan of of uh, Heath Ledger, right, I hadn't seen um, Monsters Ball. I hadn't seen freaking Brokeback Mountain. I had only really seen Ten Things I Hate About You and A Knight's Tale where, again, he's playing these very, like, lighthearted roles. So... I said to myself, oh, to go from that to being the Joker, that well, how is that going to work?
1: And, of yeah. course, I was
0: wrong. And, of course, I was wrong seeing uh, uh, The Dark Knight. I mean, it was just so good. He was – talk about a talent. Talk about how a person who did so much in the time that he was in Hollywood. And um, I really, truly believe that – first of all, I believe that he – is one of the greatest actors of all time. But I believe that if he unfortunately hadn't passed away, he would have gone on to be the status of the... Who, who else am I thinking of right now? The status of frickin' um, shit. Why can't I think of it? Like, Robert a Brad Pitt, Robert Downey Jr., Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, he would have been up to that level. Um, and I that's really think, sad. I not
1: think he would be out of work right now. And... Uh, you know what's crazy about, like, his passing? What? I was, like, I don't know if I was reading or, like, watching a
0: documentary, but it's
1: like, one of the, the Olsen twins, like, signed, like, something like, oh, that she couldn't get charged with something if she gave information about his death because mm-hmm. they were, like, dating at the time, I think, but it was probably about the drugs and everything that he was taking because I think they were known to do that together,
0: I mean, from what I hear, the, this is what I had heard, um, that it wasn't, like, an intentional thing, that it was, the mixing, it was the mixing of his prescription medication that his doctors hadn't consulted each other on. I mean, that's what I had heard. I remember, did you ever watch this show that came out back in the day? It was called The Soup. Yes, I love The Soup. Okay, so there was one episode after Heath Ledger had passed away, Joel McHale, the host of The Soup, had done his, you know, spiel, he did his whole episode, and at the end of the episode, right before the, you know, credits rolled, he pretty much said, and I have to mention about Heath Ledger... Um, passing away, he was like, Heath Ledger was always a great guy, there was nothing ever bad with him, He, I never talked about him on my show, because there was never any need to talk about him on my show, he's like, and this is a great guy who had an accident, and I hate seeing his name getting slandered and dragged, you know, tr- people trying to come up with, you know, BS pretty much, and that's how I felt about it, where I was like, I really, in my mind, like, again, I'm not a coroner, I don't know anything, but I really think it was just, like, an accident, Um, which is the sucky thing about it, like, the truly fucking sucky thing about all of this.
1: Because, yeah, that's what it was, of accidental prescription drug overdose, and that's why, like, I wonder what the Olsen thing was that they were br- trying to bring a light to on that, or if it was just one of those things that they're like, oh, this just sounds like drama. I don't
0: know. I didn't know that he was involved in one of the Olsen twins, because I do know that he had a child with Michelle Williams. Um, so I do know that, but I didn't know about the Olsen twins. Huh. That's
1: interesting. It said, okay, it was like the authorities. Okay, this is from the past. It was from Mary Kate Olson and it said connection to health to Heath Ledger's death revealed. Uh, I can't see the full thing right now, but I know that it said that they obtained a subpoena that would that could force 22 year old Olson to appear be, before a grand jury uh, should further negotiate. Because that's an old article, but I, I really wonder what what it was about.
0: Yeah, me too. That's super strange. Um I'm going to have to look into that more after this podcast, but yeah, Um, I think Heath Ledger was a phenomenal actor, and it's really, okay, so it's really crazy, you know how like people pass all the time, it's life, um, and actors pass all the time, but I feel like not many actors passing have hit me the way Heath Ledger's has. I think because I was just a big fan and I was like, man, that guy would have went, like he already went places. He would have went even further. Um, and I think that to me is like the most disappointing. It's similar to um, my friend Bryant um, feels that way about Aaliyah passing. Oh um, yeah, that like, was big. Like I,
1: I don't obviously remember because I think it was just I was probably way too young, but uh, but y'all were definitely older when that happened.
0: Yeah, and he just, I think, you know, when you you, if there's an actor you gravitate to, that's just how it is. So for him, it was Aaliyah, and for me, it's Heath Ledger. I just feel that way. Where it's I, every time it's like his anniversary of his death, I'm just like. I sit there going, God, this is this was so bad that this happened. Um so yeah, Heath Ledger definitely one of the most versatile actors uh of all time. Brittany, what's your number eight? I
1: was gonna say before I go on my number eight, I, I, that's like I think the biggest death that hit me when I was younger probably was I was obsessed with Jackass and uh the Bam like the Bam Margera show. Uh you know, okay. well, I, it was Ryan Dunst, I believe, and I was obsessed with him. I had the biggest crush on him when I was younger, and when he died, that that bothered me a lot because I think that was the first actor, I, well, not really actor, but first person I liked
0: that died, and I was like, no. I um to go to that really quick. I think that really also hurt Bam Margera. Like, really oh, I, bad. I
1: think it made him, like, get pushed to drugs and stuff and start acting pretty wild. Like, I think his parents kind of, like, like they said it was a big deal for, like, pushing him towards drugs and, like, falling off the bandwagon.
0: So, for me, Heath Ledger is definitely that. And I want to also say probably Robin Williams um, def- definitely Man, hit definitely yeah, yeah, that... That hit really hard. That was such a shock. Um, it's crazy the things. I also most recently Al- Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek's death. No, no. You know, um, and Chadwick Bozeman. I mean, I think I spent the whole entire night of Chadwick like of the announcement that Chadwick had passed just like doom scrolling through Twitter. Um I, and I, I wasn't caught expecting everybody that. off guard.
1: Nobody, nobody was expecting that to happen. Some of them like, like because I think he kept it so hushed, hushed that he was even sick.
0: Every actor they interview who's had roles with him have said that none of them ever knew. Um, and I think that was just so shocking, because you're like, these are the Marvel actors. We're going to see them again. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait, you know? And it's like, obviously, Chadwick was such an integral part of all that. So I remember just scrolling through Twitter and I see and it's from the actual Chadwick Boseman page and I see like a picture of him in this like writing and I was like, "Huh, what is this? Is he announcing something?" And it's like you're reading it and the words aren't comprehending. And I was like, "This isn't real." And I wasn't yeah. seeing it trend. And I wasn't seeing trending on Twitter yet, so I was like, "Wow, what kind of like fake hoax?" shit is this? And it's like, no, it wasn't a hoax. So that definitely also hit really hard, I feel, as well. Uh, Um, Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I just say, I'm like, it's just crazy.
1: It's like, you think something's not going to bother you until it actually does, and you're like, well,
0: I feel, I don't know how to feel. Yeah, exactly. I think that was it. So, yeah, um, that got really sad for a second, but um, R.I.P. So R.I.P. to all of the amazing talent that were gone too soon. But Brittany, let's go to number eight. What do you got for us?
1: i was going to say, and I wasn't laughing at the death part. I was just laughing at you being like, well, it's got real sad. I was like, let me me, me make that point real quick. But uh, I'm going to go since uh, I'm on this kind of train of thought right now. I'm going to go ahead and go with Anne Hathaway because they can have Hugh Jackman because I think we discussed this before where Anne Hathaway I think it's like with the Princess Diaries and watching her like I'm trying to think what's the other one thinking of oh and Elaine is where it was very like oh she's almost like a delicate flower you know she's like this very like regal beauty like soft spoken you know quirky you know and seeing her you know kind of Feel that role, which you know, we did see in Lay Miss*. we saw how powerful of a character she could play. Like, I cry every time when she's every. having her hair cut, and I'm just like, oh, it just it makes you sick. And watching Princess Diaries, I mean, I remember. As, like, an ugly duckling, I was like, I just want someone to take me and make me beautiful. And so I was obsessed with Princess Diaries because I was quirky little odd kid just like that, too. And I think it's, like, my hair was also very, like, frizzy. I think I straightened it every day because until one day I was like, you know what, I'll try wearing it curly. You know, I'll put stuff in it. And I was like, oh, it can curl up, which I think that's, like, another thing I think a lot of kids are like, oh yeah it has to be straight and it's like mm-mm, you got curls you're not fuzzy you just you, you got curls and you don't know how to take care of them yet yet that is and so it's like watching that was so good for me as a kid but then we see her in the batman which which batman was she in dark knight or the dark knight rises
0: she was in the dark knight rises
1: seeing her in that role where it's like I think even you said you were like oh yeah you know how's she gonna play Catwoman, you know and then we already see her as like the maid pretending to be a maid and you're like oh she's so, oh she's just kind of mousy very like delicate and then she like when she goes oops and like like trips <laughs> her, like I was like oh man it got oh it's gonna be real this time and seeing her more as like that seductress type I just felt like it was perfect Perfect. I think she like blew me away because the Catwoman I remember was Halle Berry, who was very sexy and seductive and, you know, being very fierce. And and I was like, oh, Anne Hathaway's kind of, you know, more delicate. And I don't know about the suit and then singer. And I was like, you know what? Never mind. I was wrong. <laughs>
0: Um, what you call it? Oh my God! So, Princess Diaries was definitely one of those movies that every girl with frizzy hair watched and was like, "I want to be transformed." Um, yeah. because I have very frizzy <laughs> hair. The, yeah, the glasses, the frizzy hair. Um, funny story. So, my mom's friend Jean loved. Anne Hathaway because she thought that Anne Hathaway was such an amazing role model for young women and that she was very classy and regal so and now that I look back I'm like yeah Anne Hathaway definitely does um, give off those sort of vibes right Um, so I we all get introduced to her in the Princess Diaries love her in that she gave a phenomenal performance in Les Mis and I think something like her role in that movie was very short, right? But yet, if I think of Les Mis, she's definitely one of the important figures and important storylines and songs that she's I think such about. She's a
1: catalyst for the rest of it. And Hugh Jackman's character adopting the girl, which is her daughter, and like the abuse that the daughter went through, and like I think it's supposed to show like the ultimate sacrifice of a mother. And, like, you know, having her teeth pulled to have money, it's, like, shaving her head and just all these things. I think at some point she does sell her body just to have enough money to take care of her daughter, you know? And I don't know. It's just, like, so intense. And, but, and also, I think she got, like, uh, kicked from her job by, like, these jealous women because, like, yeah. the workers did like, that, like, the boss liked her, and then they find out that I think, like, she, her daughter is, like, you know, illegitimate because the dude that got her pregnant ran off, and it's, like, I think it was just, like, the cruelty of, like, the world they were living in it was very intense.
0: 100%. Um And so we see Anne Hathaway having the ability to play funnier roles but also playing roles that are quite sad and somber and then playing these roles like she did in The Dark Knight Rises where she's very cool and fierce and just such a seductress with it. So Anne Hathaway definitely has the amazing ability to jump into whatever role she feels like doing. And she has plenty of other roles that are well-known, just ones that I haven't seen yet. Um, I'll give you an example that there's this movie that she did with Jake Gyllenhaal called Love and Other Drugs, I believe – That was praised very highly. I just haven't gotten a chance to see it yet, even though it's been, like, years at this point. But I believe that she was praised um, very, very well for that role. But, yeah, no, Anne Hathaway is great. When I was looking up um, other lists of versatile actors or actresses, she definitely popped up.
1: Uh, I was just sitting there. I was like, oh no, not I was like, I was I always think of the Catwoman thing, and that was why I got to think about Malay Miz and Princess Diaries. So I was like, you know what? She's pretty gosh darn awesome. I think I think she was probably my favorite actress
0: when I was growing up. Was it? Was she in the Devil Wears Prada, or am I thinking of yes. someone else? Yes, she was. I that okay. That's another great movie. Um, I didn't think I was gonna like that movie just because I'm not that into fashion. But my favorite part. Like, you've seen that, right? I'm not yeah, yeah. Just... Okay. My favorite part of all time in that movie is so small, but it's the one where they're freaking out about the belts that look identical, and they're saying to themselves, they're going, oh, my God, they're so different. I don't know. And Anne Hathaway's character just starts laughing. That's me when it comes to, like, couture. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know, that was, like, I think when I was younger, and remember when the juicy pants were really popular?
0: Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> I was like, am I missing something? I don't know if I want, like, juicy on my butt. I remember my aunt got me, not juicy, but what was the other one, like, rock or something like that? I'm trying
1: to think. I I'm also remembering bedazzled jeans right now that were oh like, my <laughs> like 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 that's the funny thing is like whenever I was pipelining and there would be and obviously like the, these men they're like wanting to spend a lot of money on clothes, and since they can afford it, they're like, Oh, I need the most expensive, and they would go to do you know the store buckle
0: no, well
1: back when like we could still go to bars and stuff you would see them be like okay you know we're working all week you know we're wearing like our dirty work clothes but then they'd go to the bar and they would have the fucking bedazzled jeans like, <laughs> like all over the butt and i was like okay and then they was like It looked like, I don't know, these were just such shiny jeans, and I couldn't help but laugh, because I knew it wasn't because they liked them, it was because they were the most expensive and they were trying to show off, and then they had the bedazzled fucking shirts, and I was like, okay.
0: I feel like that's so early 2000s fashion, like, I was just going to... I was just, yes, oh my god, yes, yes, just like that. I was going to say, um, uh, you know, the 90s were awesome, and the early 2000s were great for, like, music, you know, pop music and stuff, I'll admit, you know, there were some bangers there, but the fashion of the early 2000s are so bad, Be dazzled everywhere, what'd you say? That's like, super
1: shiny lip gloss. And then like
0: lip gloss, frosted tips, um uh pastels. The the eyeshadow that like you were super tan, but yet you'd be wearing like light teal blue like shimmer and that was it. That's all you were wearing on your eyes.
1: (laughs) The fucking Gilmore Girls, uh, what's the other one? Oh, it started with a D. I never watched it. Yeah, Degrassi. I
0: never watched it either.
1: (laughs) I thought it would stress me out. I was like, I don't need this in my life. I will just watch Transformers.
0: Yeah, me and you are on the same page. I sat there and said, I still want to watch cartoons. I'm watching Toonami. I'm not watching fucking Degrassi. So...
1: Up on. I'm still, like, 50 episodes until I see fucking uh, Goku Go Super Saiyan for the 12th <laughs> time, okay? I need to be, I need this. that was, like, uh, oh, there was an Inuasha episode one time, and I was obsessed with Inuasha, and there was, like, this one episode I was really wanting to see, but we went camping, and I remember oh. like just trying desperately to watch this fucking episode because you knew you couldn't go back because it was before DVR. And yes, I could have recorded on VHS, but I think it was like, like I I don't know if we still owned a VHS at the time where I didn't know how to record it. And I was just like so desperately. And I remember I was thinking I was like I love camping. But I think I, had like, blistered my feet walking on hot asphalt, and, like, I was tired, like, sunburnt and all I fucking wanted to watch was this episode of Anuasha. And keep in mind, I fucking love camping. But being so desperate to watch that Anuasha episode, like, took over everything.
0: Can I tell you that there was one anime on Toonami that was even more frustrating to me than Dragon Ball Z? And I'll say this reason. So Dragon Ball Z obviously did that thing where constantly you get to an episode and then they're like, We're gonna go all the way to the beginning and go But you know, like Dragon Ball Z did that all the time, so you kinda got used to it that at some point that shit was gonna happen. But there is this anime called Zoids, right? Um and there was different Zoids. Now, I want to make sure we're talking about the same one because there were – remember there was Zoids, but then there was, like, a prequel series because, like, it was – like, there was one Zoids anime that was just in current – like, quote-unquote current time where they use the Zoids just to, like, battle each other. But then there was a Zoids anime that was – these zoids were, you know, used during, like, a legit war against these two factions and everything. I don't know I which one. That, you... I, I
1: remember one where there was, like, the zoids, like, oh, they're just battling with them, and then there was one where they have, like, the, the like, oh, the raptors,
0: you know, that were, like, yeah. sitting there, and they were small. Right, so I'm trying to think which one that actually that I was. I was thinking was about. the
1: toys, and I thought their toys were so cool because you could actually, like, they would actually, like, be battery-operated and, like, move, bad. and you would build them, and you could play with them.
0: So the zo- so I watched both, right? But the one that I'm talking about was the anime where it was the war. Like, there there was a war going on between these two, like, Uh, you know, factions and shit. It was very um, Star Wars in a sense, you know, you're either part of this or you're part of that, right? Um, And this whole, like, show is happening with all these characters and shit, and it's going, it's going, it's going. And finally, it's like you're getting to the end of the show, like where it's going to end, and that's it, right? But so... And this isn't as, oh God, I was about to be like, spoiler alert. This came out fucking, like, years ago. It's no spoiler. Um, but so, all right, so there's this really intense freaking episode, and at the very end of it, one of the main characters, like, falls in a ditch, and it's alluded that that character could be killed. And he was a fan favorite character, and you're like, oh, my God, what happened to Thomas? I can't wait for the next one. And then they went back to the very fucking beginning, because there was only four episodes left but they hadn't dubbed them yet so it's like be so mad to to me that was even more frustrating than dragon ball z constantly going back and forth because i was like we get all the way to the end all the way to this moment and the episode ends on such an insane fucking level and now we got to go all the way fucking back, and there was a lot of episodes in this show. It wasn't just like here's ten episodes before having. It. it was like it. Imagine the equivalent if you're with Dragon Ball Z, right? And you're in the Majin Buu saga, and it's like let's go back to the Saiyan saga. That is how long it was. It was so infuriating. <laughs>
1: You know, looking back, because I had to look back, and I was like, God, this reminds me so much. Because remember, like, the blonde girl with, like, the ears that were kind of fluffy? Yeah. Yeah, like, looking back, like, uh, by the way, it looks like that that, uh, Raptor was in both. Like, it was in both, like, both seasons. But what was up? With animes back then having the dude like wear like an outfit but his abs were completely exposed. (laughs) (laughs) Flashbacks now to like freaking like where they're like, Yeah, I have long sleeves on or I have an outfit on, but look at my abs. It's like the equivalent of a boob armor.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean some of the fashion choices in anime is were definitely questionable where I was like You sure about that?
1: <laughs> yeah, man. You know they're uh, making a Zoid show where it's already out again, but they freaking did the road of, like, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh!, where it's like, yeah, this is good, but then they make, like, the main character has to have, like, the super quirky hair, and they've got to be really big, and they got to be really annoying. Yeah, that's where they're going with Zoids.
0: I don't know what it is. Like, I don't really watch anime anymore just cuz first of all I I don't like the anime style now right I just don't like the style of anime in recent times and I don't know to I don't know I just I felt that anime was better I'm a am I'm a, a snob like that but uh, <laughs> oh, I uh, but with Toonami, I love fucking anime. I I watched it all the time. Dragon Ball Z, freaking Gundam Wing, G Gundam, Outlaw Star, fucking Zoids, Cyborg 009. Um, I watched all that shit. Sailor Moon. I mean, shit. I keep forgetting. I don't know if my first anime was either Sailor Moon or Dragon Ball Z or if they just were at the same time. But I want to tell you that at some point I was obsessed with Sailor Moon, like obsessed. I love Sailor Moon. So- it's
1: been a long time, and I I don't hardly remember anything. But I love the aesthetic of Sailor Moon.
0: I love the aesthetic of Sailor Moon, which is so weird because I was so like not girly like that. But I think my favorite. Um, Sailor Moon character was the one with the short hair that looked very androgynous because I loved that aesthetic at that point. Um, it reminded me of the woman from, you know, the song "Sweet Dreams."
1: Oh, I can't.
0: Sweet dreams are made of these.
1: But I don't remember what she looks like.
0: So, um, Annie Lennox from the Arithmetics in that look. She's. She's wearing a suit, right? Like with a tie and her hair is like pretty much a buzz cut, but it's orange. And my whole point is that you know when you grow up and you're a girl, right, and you're put in dresses and all that and you don't realize that women can wear suits. And my first like time seeing Annie Lennox in that suit was almost an eye opener where it was like it was like an epiphany it happened. It was, like, this can be a thing. Girls can wear suits. And so that, like, aesthetic of, like, but, like, not, like, in that sense, but knowing, like,
1: oh, I'm not just, like, in this, like, sphere. I could be anything.
0: Yeah. Oh, it was so that. It was, like, God calling. <laughs> it was, like, the heaven gates yeah. opened up. It was,
1: like was freaking uh, Jack Black and uh, The Pick of Destiny.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> My whole point in saying that is that one character in Sailor Moon who wore, like, short hair and all that was, I think I grabbed huh? It Huh? I think it was
1: Neptune, or, like, was she blue or was she blonde? She was blonde. Oh, 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 uh, it was... Let me look, I'll look for you. I thought it was, like, Uranus or something, like, not in yeah, that, like, the- silly way.
0: No, the... You know the two characters that in the like English dub they were quote unquote cousins, but you know yeah, in the anime dub they were with lovers.
1: The, with the short hair.
0: Yeah, and I think it gravitated to her because again she was like breaking away from that stigma of like what girls like typically wear and what they should look like. And I think I just loved her fucking style. So anyway, my whole point of saying that is with Sailor Moon, I literally owned their soundtrack. And even though it was all in Japanese, I couldn't understand one word they were saying. Like, I jammed to that all the time.
1: Dude, I, I love anime music. I won't lie. There's sometimes I'm driving to work and I'm like like banging out to freaking, like, uh, Attack on Titan or, like, from uh, a demon demon slayer, I almost called it demon hunter or like Boku no hero. I'm like I don't know. I just dig it. it sometimes it's not the words; it's just the emotion it invokes.
0: Well, I'll tell you that I could still remember like some, like I'll I could probably remember the Pokemon theme song. Um, I can remember the Digimon digital monsters.
1: <laughs> like, I
0: remember all
1: that shit. <laughs> like no one ever was. Because to train them is your way to test the power that's inside. <laughs>
0: I love that Brittany couldn't even stop herself. She was like, wait, this started as a gag, but now I have to keep going. Oh,
1: so so me and Aaron used to argue because he was always telling me I was getting the lyrics wrong. Like, And it, what it was, I was getting the order wrong. But what I was remembering is I had the Pokemon soundtrack and it went longer than the the original, like, that would play at the beginning. So the line I was singing existed, but it didn't exist, like, like two minutes into the song. But I remembered it because I listened to it on repeat. It was from uh, Pokemon the Movie with Mewtwo. And that movie was so intense, by the way, as a kid, I cried so hard when Pikachu's, like, crying over Ash's, like, body because he gets, like, turned to stone. And all the Pokemon start crying and their tears gather and, like, bring him back. Oh, I oh, I
0: stopped. Stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so emotional. Else. But let's keep going on with our list. Uh, (laughs) We definitely derailed there. Um, I'm going to get number seven. Um, And I feel like I want to stay within the whole theme of Jake Gyllenhaal because Jake Gyllenhaal was has been in. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. Jake Gyllenhaal has literally acted with the other previous three actors. He's been in movies with Hugh Jackman, he's been in movies with Heath Ledger, he's been in movies with Anne Hathaway. So, number seven is Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, If you were a weird goth kid, like I was growing up, um, Donnie Darko was your Bible. Um, I've still never seen it. I'm ending this podcast right now. <laughs> um Donnie Darko is the first uh movie I ever saw Jake Gyllenhaal with and is so fucking trippy. You should Oh my god, you need to watch like Donnie Darko. Um it's so fucking weird, but I mean that's where Corpse Husband gets the inspiration for half oh, of that's
1: his That, like, with the ear, I was like, oh, it's like the scary bunny thing from Donnie Darko, but I remember the aesthetic, but I do not, I have not seen the movie.
0: Um... Oh, my God, there's so many great moments. Like, Jake Gyllenhaal's in it, obviously, and his sister Maggie Gyllenhaal are, is in it. And they pl- and they play siblings on screen as well. And, like, just their banter between each other. There's that one point where, like, so- one of them is like, go suck a fuck. And the other's like, how does one suck a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. When did um, that movie come out, the
1: 80s or the 90s?
0: Oh, God, let me see what the actual... Frickin' um, 2001 is when oh it came God. out.
1: That sounds like it should have been, like, later on in life. Not not That feels too early, even though you think about it, that was, like, ooh, 20 years ago.
0: Yep, 20 fucking years ago, which is insane to think that movie is 20 years old. But, no, that movie is, like, Classic, um, teenage goth sort of viewing. There, I mean, uh, and so many like quotes. Um, freaking, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal asked the bunny, "Why are you wearing that dumb, you know, rabbit suit?" And the rabbit's like, "Why are you wearing that dumb human suit?" You know, it's just like, oh god, I love that. So anyway, yes. you have freaking Donnie Darko. Um, then Jake Gyllenhaal was in Brokeback Mountain. Jarhead, Zodiac, um, Brothers. Brothers was another one that I loved that I feel like did not get talked about enough. I also thought Tobey Maguire was fucking phenomenal in that movie. Um, But, you know, and then Jake Gyllenhaal had End of Watch, Prisoners, Nightcrawler, which if you've never seen Nightcrawler, holy fuck. Um, That performance was insane uh nocturnal animals uh i'm trying to see like the ones recently you know and he and he was mysterio in spider-man so he's had like a long time he was so good as mysterio and he has like a lot of different sort of i mean to me that's a lot of different he's literally played um you know, he's played drug addicts, he's played soldiers, he's played the bad guys, he's played the good guys, and he's played um, really quirky characters, too. Um, he was in this movie called Okja for Netflix, which I personally actually didn't really like that much. It probably is the only movie by Bong Joon-ho that I didn't think was that great, but he plays such an eccentric character in that, and not that I'm saying that's particularly good, but just the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal has the ability to really just play all these different sort of characters is like i think he's one of the best actors i mean you know when you bring him in he's going to be solid
1: i don't know why as a kid i always got Jake Gyllenhaal and Toby
0: Maguire mixed up well because they kind they kind of came into acting and popularity around the same time <laughs> they they're like the, the same they're the same age, they have the same eyes, they, like, you know, a lot of the roles that they got, well, and then a lot of the roles that they got um, the other auditioned for, essentially, like, okay, Tobey Maguire got Spider-Man, right? Jake Gyllenhaal auditioned for that role, um, which is kind of then ironic that all these years later he's playing a Spider-Man villain. But, you know, so I think that when they were you know, coming into fame, that they were both coming into fame around the same time, um, which is funny that the two of them then play brothers in the movie Brothers, which I thought was like really good. Um, See, I don't it,
1: know if you. Um, we always thought it was Toby McGuire to the point that we argued so long about it that I remember when Hastings existed, we called Hastings as like children to ask the dude like. It- is who's in Brokeback Mountain? Is it Toby Maguire or Jake Gyllenhaal? And he's like, Jake Gyllenhaal? And I remember, we are like, no, no way.
0: I loved Jake Gyllenhaal and Brokeback Mountain. Him and Heath Ledger played really well off of each other. Um, did you ever see Brothers? Did I ever show you that movie? I have not
1: seen Brothers. I've also not seen Brokeback Mountain.
0: Brokeback Mountain kills me. I wouldn't blame you for not seeing it. Well, because, you know, again, it's these two guys who um, end up loving each other and entering into a relationship, but they're during a time when homosexuality was not accepted at all. Both of them have wives and families and are trying to struggle between, um, you know, being with their wives, but also wanting to be with each other and the struggles that come from that. Um, and then one, you know, wanting to be public with their relationship and the other not the one not being wanting to be public being Heath Ledger's character um, and Jake Gyllenhaal playing this character that kind of goes a little off the deep end because he, you know, is just like, fuck it, like. I want to be who I, I am, you can go live in your little fucking bubble if you want. And Heath Ledger's like, you know, I still have a wife, I still have kids, like, I still have to do right by them. But, the, like, the whole struggle between them, it's so sad. One of them dies at the end, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> but it comes <laughs> like after it. What did you say? I
1: was laughing that you're like, someone dies, spoiler alert. And you're like, wait,
0: I that, that, feel like you got the order mixed up there, Tia. I did there, but, you know, it's been out for frickin', like, 20 years. If you haven't seen it at this point, all right, <laughs> it's like not I a spoiler at yeah. Huh? Yeah, you're like, if you haven't seen it now, I don't know what to tell you. Exactly. So, you know, it's, like, super sad, so I don't blame anyone for not wanting to watch it because like it emotionally wrecked me and I don't know if I could watch it twice um and then in Brothers though I loved Brothers because I'll give you a quick rundown because to me I I really love this movie and I think it's one of my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal movies of all time but you have Jake Gyllenhaal and Tobey Maguire right Tobey Maguire is like he he's pretty much he makes the family proud. He's a marine. He served tours overseas. He has a wife. Oh, he has a you kid. Told me
1: about this. No, keep going. I just like it's all coming back to me as soon as you
0: said that it like hit me like, like bricks. Okay. Well for the audience who doesn't know. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Joe McGuire plays as Marine and he's married to Natalie Portman's character. And on the other hand, Jake Hall is very much the black sheep of the family. He was um, imprisoned for armed robbery for about three or something years. He's coming out of prison. Things are really tense because, again, the family's, you know, the dad is like, oh, to Jake Hall, like, you should have, you know, turned out like your brother. You're a loser or something, you know? So then Toby Maguire goes back overseas, and he's essentially captured as a prisoner of war. Um, the military thinks that he's dead, so they tell Natalie Portman, and throughout the movie, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, who Natalie Portman didn't really like that much because of him being the black sheep of the family, becomes very much like a helping hand. He... Um, helps Natalie Portman with her children. He redoes the kitchen entirely. Um, and yes, at one point, there does seem like there could be romantic feelings, but the two, def- they kiss once, and then they realize, like, this isn't right, you know, and then he just goes, then Jake Gyllenhaal's character goes back to just being the really supportive uncle to his nieces. Long story short, Toby Maguire's character is not dead. He's finally released, but he is messed up as fuck from being a fucking prisoner of war for so much time which you would imagine would be the case but he's not telling any but he's not telling on it he's not revealing what happened to him so he's just back at home and every like everything feels like you're walking on eggshells his children don't like how he's acting in fact they're asking for their uncle um he's Toby McGuire is getting really suspicious that Natalie Portman and Jake Gyllenhaal slept together when they didn't, um, and then it just kind of boils over in this huge, like, thing at the end where he just gets super mad at Natalie Portman and starts, like, fucking destroying the kitchen as a result, and Jake Gyllenhaal has to come over to, like, calm him down and shit, and then, like, finally at the end, you know, Toby Maguire, like, opens up to what happened, but it's so tense, um, and it's such a great movie. I love Brothers. Um, and I never hear anyone talk about it, but I think it's a great movie.
1: It's probably one of those movies that people go, oh, it's so freaking like, traumatic that I just like pushed it to the back of my head. It sounds so sad.
0: I think, to me, I just really liked it because from Tobey Maguire's stance, we've only, at that point, at least in my opinion, we're used to seeing him as Spider-Man. Um, and so for him to kind of show that he can be this like really intense actor and put that out there, I thought was really cool. So I think that was another reason, even though Jake Gyllenhaal is phenomenal in it as well. To me, I think this that movie definitely goes to Tobey Maguire. But anyway, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, number seven. Brittany, let's move along. What's your number six? I'm going to
1: go with, let me look at my list here just so I can remind myself. Let's see. I had I actually had him set up and like okay. Uh oh that's hard. Oh I'm gonna go ahead and can I go ahead and go with the big one? Yeah. And I hope he's not on your list. I'm sorry if he is. I'm gonna go with John Brenthal.
0: Yeah, um, he was on my list, but it's okay. I'm sorry, I'm the worst. It's okay.
1: <laughs> I just like John Bernthal because, you know, we know him as the Pun- Punisher. We've seen him be so big and aggressive. And I think because that was my, my first introduction to John Bernthal. I was like, oh, he's a scary, uh, scary, uh, very New Yorker-esque dude. Like, in my head, I'm like, oh, that's a New York dude, you know? He, and I'm just uh, like,
0: Even though I think he's from, like, Washington.
1: I think he is. But, like, seeing him, he plays it very well as the Punisher, you know? with the kind of, like, just the way he talks, the way he acts, and I'm like, oh, man, he's awesome. But then, because around that time, I think, you know, you watched The Walking Dead, and that's what got me into it, but, like, seeing him as Shane and going, wow, you know, because at that point I hadn't seen him with, like, actual hair, because I think in the, in the Predator <laughs> Season 1, a.k.a. Daredevil Season
0: 2, 3, I remember <laughs> It was two. He pretty much had a uh, a military cut.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, like, what, a buzz cut? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I don't know. And seeing him as Shane and watching that slow deterioration, I still love the the, the no-humping between him and uh, Lori's uh, actress or uh, actor. But, <laughs> I don't know. I just seen that and then seeing... um. Where, what was that one show you watched where he did play, uh, oh, he was, he was pretending to be gay because he was like a detective and he was trying to like gain the affections of that one dude. Oh, what was that? What movie was that? That was a
0: show. What show was that? I don't remember that. Oh, oh, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my god, the um the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. He
1: was in that remember and he seems so like gentle and very like oh, you know, very like sweet swoon worthy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then it turns out he's just a detective that was trying to get like information from the dude. And then also, uh, yeah, well, he played the whole the teacher that had a really big obsession with pho. We saw him as Paige uh, in oh the one movie with uh, Zac Efron.
0: We are your friends.
1: And we are your friends, and oh, I'm
0: trying to remember what else where he played by like a. By the way, that uh, character where he plays the teacher who loves fa Um, that's a great movie. That's um, uh, it's uh, Me Earl and the Dying Girl, which the ending fucking broke. Me. <laughs> oh, oh, I think
1: that reminds me. It brings me back to he was in Baby Driver, but he was also played the mute in that one indie film. He no, also played yes, and he also played uh, the movie where he was like an old rodeo star that got too injured to really, and he's really just like. He's really sweet weak, Virginia. but sweet
0: Virginia. I don't know. He's played him a lot. Oh, John Bernthal's filmography is ridiculously long. Um, I love John Bernthal, right? I think I hit, like, a really big obsession <laughs> when I discovered him. Um, and my first discovery of John Bernthal was in Daredevil Season 2, and... We always call it the Punisher season one because as good as Charlie Cox is, as Matt Murdock, that season was just, John Bernthal took the cake. I mean, you couldn't not focus on Frank Castle in that. And even that alone, right, where you have this character, Frank Castle, who's very, um, you know, he went through a very traumatic experience and he's very dangerous and he's very, you know, silent in many ways and gruff and stuff, but even, like, the emotion that he brought there, I mean, God, that scene at the gravesite where he tells Matt the story of his children and that what happened in the park that night, I mean, that alone, the amount of, like, versatility that he showed as Frank Castle was insane. Um, I have to say really quick, because I have, like, so much to say about John Bernthal, but... Um, yeah. What you call it. every once in a while, there's this, like, debate on the Punisher skull, right? Um Good. And rec- as of recently, um, there was discussions where some people were like that they should retire the skull and even retire the character because some asshole who stormed the Capitol building was wearing something with the Punisher skull on it. And John Burnsell had to come forward. And, by the way, John Burnsell has come forward before when, you know, all these, like, you know, the police were wearing the skull and everything, saying that, you know, that's not what Frank is. That is not what Frank is. That doesn't represent Frank at all. These people are misusing the symbol um, and not Frank would understanding.
1: would have never done anything like that.
0: Frank would have never done anything like that. He would not have ever ever even freaking approved of it i mean these people are were fucking insane um you know like frank castle was a marine he would have never fucking done that shit and people were even showing like comic book pages of where frank castle has stood up against you know uh false ideologies like that and shit you know so i was like don't don't try to retire a beloved character because some idiot decided to wear that shit, you know? Like, do not do that. That pisses me off, and that makes me upset. All I want is for John Pertwee to reprise his role as Frank Castle. You're not taking that from me.
1: <laughs> uh, isn't that crazy how something can be taken that's so simple? And like, like something like that and people can twist it where it is like the symbolism changes of it. It's like, okay, back in the day, like I have two examples and they're from the same person and just like on a, like a, like kind of the same note. I'm telling you, apparently the name Adolf was like a super crazy popular name in the day. Do we ever see anyone name that now? Ever?
0: God, I feel like if you named your kid that, you'd be, like, ostracized from freaking society. I'd also have to ask why. Like, why?
1: (laughs) And I'm just like, it just takes one fucking person to, like, ruin something and really, like, take that imagery and, like, use it to their own. Because apparently, like, the pencil stash was super popular back in that day, too. And it was like, after that moment, everybody was, like,
0: collectively went... Nope, never doing these two things oh ever again. I think it super was because if remember a few podcasts ago, we did, um God, what did we do? We did like a Christmas story sort of uh, podcast, like not a Christmas story, like a Christmas movie podcast, right? Um, uh-huh. and, I, and I think I've mentioned to you that it's like a tradition in my family to watch March of the Wooden Soldiers um and in march of the women's soldiers which came out in the 30s one of the main characters has the exact same mustache
1: oh well that's
0: what i was like thinking about
1: because uh it's it wasn't pencil stash Uh, it was uh like it's like a toothbrush like a toothbrush mustache because it's like tiny and square but yeah like uh charlie chapman even though he famously you know mocked uh you know hitler and everything but like He had that stache. I think one of the three Stooges had that mustache. I'm trying to remember who all had that mustache. He was super big in the day, and it's just crazy that it took one person to just completely wipe it off the board and really, like, take the symbolism of that. But uh, but that's kind of like with... uh, The Punisher, I'm like, don't let these people take that away when it's been so good and, like, memorable for, like, essentially us. Because I don't sit there and think of the Punisher skull as, like, something that's, like, MAGA-related or, like, something that's, like, more, like, far-right. I think of it more of always with the Punisher, and I think it's definitely, like, why let somebody take that from you?
0: Well, I mean, people who use that, I don't think understand they see frank castle and they go oh he was a marine he would be you know he would be far right blah blah and it's like no he wouldn't like first of all frank castle in, and i'm not trying to get into a debate or anything but frank castle in the show had no love for police no love for fucking cops um because they didn't do their job right when it or came to you're know,
1: corrupt what did you say or they were dirty or corrupt because it was hell's kitchen
0: Yeah, exactly. So he had no love for them at all.
1: Um, Another story of pipelining was this dude that had a big Punisher skull on the back glass. And I was like, oh, you like the Punisher? And he's like, oh, I just like the skull. I was like, you motherfucker.
0: And, like, the skull was supposed to represent to, like, you know, the people who had killed his family that, like, death was coming to them. So it had, like, nothing to do with anything political at all. Um, and in fact there's a comic book strip where uh Frank Castle is telling people that they shouldn't even idolise him that they should like idolise um Captain America pretty much. Like you I don't know, just like don't do it, don't do it. But anyway, I'm not trying to make this What?
1: Because he's not meant, sorry, I think there's like a slight delay between our voices and I keep interrupting you. Uh, What I was going to say was I just felt like, um, oh, oh, because the Punisher is not meant to be like, he's an anti-hero for a reason. He's not supposed to be the quote-unquote good guy. He's someone that you're supposed to see and go, this is a man broken, you know, from war and from what happened to his family while Captain America is supposed to be the man that always stands for good and you know weathers the hard times
0: well even Frank Castle acknowledges that he's not supposed to be a person you look up to um even in the show he's very honest about that he even uh, try you know he stops Matt Murdock from even doing what he does he tells uh, Karen all the time that she shouldn't even be around someone like him so it's like he even acknowledges so but I'm just saying anyway back to John Bernthal amazing as Frank Castle Um, I thought he was great as Shane so the thing is like yeah he's played a lot of these like rough characters right Um, but I feel like each character he's played has been different enough where he has made them be their own little individual entities and then when he steps away from that mold it's even more prominent because i loved his first of all i loved his performance in pilgrimage with tom holland the fact that he didn't need to say one word for you to feel his acting and know what he was doing was just phenomenal um I loved him in Baby Driver. I thought he was hilarious in those few episodes that he was in and uh The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but to me I think one of the greatest examples that John Bernthal can act and is a versatile actor um was his performance in Sweet Virginia. You have this big opposing guy who you've been used to seeing breaking skulls as frank castle and there he is as this broken man in sweet virginia having tremors being shy not wanting to be confrontational and you're sitting there going that is so not frank castle and he did it so believably i loved um sam was his character's name i love sam, I loved sam too. <laughs> oh my god um and then he was even great in that five minutes that he was in what was that movie Wind River? The one where he played the boyfriend uh, of the woman? I'm sorry, I know my heart breaks my heart every time, but I thought he did a great job in that role as well. So I think that John Berenthal is a wildly talented man. I think he's extremely versatile. Oh, and you know what he was great in? I know you didn't see the movie. I thought he was great in Ford versus Ferrari and being in a movie where he plays a suit and a and he plays a businessman.
1: <laughs> I know, it's it's funny. I I'm imagine him in a suit. I'm like, how are you not like busting out of it?
0: <laughs> I love Ford versus Ferrari. You should definitely watch that one day. Um it was a lot of fun, even though it's a car movie. It's still just like it's it's so great. Um, Christian Bale was amazing in it. But I mean, hey, it's a movie where John Burzell's character doesn't die.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. He always dies in everything. Shame. Oh um oh that movie you just said uh baby driver because that's uh, it's not explicitly say well it kind of is explicitly saying you said if you don't see me again it's because i'm dead and i'm like you know it's like
0: sorry no there we go you know what movie i loved him in too shock Caller,
1: oh my god that was so good i forgot about that one
0: Shock color was great. He also dies in that. <laughs> Gosh darn it! I think for brainstorming wise, I think you can tell the ro- route I'm going to go down. Oh yeah, 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 of course, of course. But yeah, John Bernthal, amazing. John, if you're listening, you keep doing you, man. I can't wait for your upcoming movies. I seriously can't. I feel like I'm going through Punisher, not Punisher. I feel like I'm going through John Bernthal with Um because I think the last thing I saw him in was Ford versus Ferrari and I'm like can we hurry up with your projects please <laughs> soprano movie oh my god it just got moved by the way it no! was supposed to pre- it was supposed to premiere in a few months and now it's going to premiere in like october or november and I'm like can you please please just put that on streaming services we don't know what's going to happen what it got moved to september it makes no sense, okay? Like, I'm really excited for this movie, but honestly, how many people are going to go to the theaters to go see this, right? Just put it out on a fucking streaming service so you don't even know what's happening this year with the virus and movie theaters and shit. Like, I even heard rumors that Kevin Feige is considering putting the Marvel movies on fucking Disney+. Plus. It's just a rumor But, I mean, I think he's trying to hold off, but him seeing probably the landscape that things aren't really getting better. Um, James Bond just pushed again for theatrical release, so it's like, come on, man. Put this shit on streaming services. That's what they're there for.
1: Uh, I know. It's kind of like, we are starting to see, like, in Arkansas where our teachers are starting to get vaccinated, but it just feels like it's such slow progress for everything.
0: It's such slow progress. I'm just sitting here just thinking to myself, please, um, I'll pay. Like, you don't have to – like, that's the problem with HBO Max is HBO – and I think that's the problem why a lot of filmmakers who have have Warner Brothers movies are pissed because Warner Brothers is putting it out for free on HBO Max – but I don't care, like charge for Black Widow, I will fucking pay the 15 20 dollars to watch it at this point. I don't care. <laughs> um, I like to. Um, but let's move on. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Let's go to number five. I'm trying to look at my list. <sighs> I have a, I'm trying to see like I have three left, and I'm trying to figure out who to put in here. All right, I'm going to go with, for my number five, I am going to go with Charlize Theron because um, I think Ooh. that she is, I think she's a very talented actor. I think she's a very versatile actor. If you've seen her in many things such as Mad Max, Fury Road, she was in this really great movie called Atomic Blonde um, that I really enjoyed but one of, I think, her biggest um, roles that proved that she could really just knock the park, knock the ball out of the park with acting um, was when she was in that movie Monster. Um, and it's a movie where she plays, like, this real-life uh, killer. They put, like, a ton of freaking, um, whatchamacallit, so they put, like, a ton of uh, makeup on her to make her completely look not... Beautiful, because it's really hard to not her, make her look beautiful, but uh, <laughs> I just think she's really awesome just got something out of here for her. I mean I thought that's what our top tens were. It was just yeah, simple. You know what, <laughs> it's just us being simps um but I mean she's been in so many things if you look at her um filmography. Um, She was also in the political drama Bombshell, which I didn't see, but I heard, like, kind of good reviews for. I mean, it was obviously very, like, polarizing, but um, I heard good reviews for, say, their um, performances, right? Um, So she's been – and she was in that movie Dark Places with Corey Stoll. That was really good. Um, She's just been in a lot and I think she's a very talented actress and I think she's also the type of actress that could really get into like physical parts. Um, She always tends to be in movies where she's kind of kicking ass such as Mad Max, Atomic Blonde, Old Guard but I just think she's one of these actors that can do a lot. Um, She can be in a badass action star, she can be a very put together news reporter, and then she can play this unhinged sort of dangerous person. And I think that that shows a lot. And I think she's one of the best actors in uh, Hollywood.
1: I think what's awesome about her is that it's not very common that you see like a very like this. Going to be like I'm trying to think. A lot of times when there's a female uh, actor, they're always like very. They have to be a certain way or they're very beautiful or they're very like uh, or they're very like corrupted, almost like very like like an evil type. But I think but not very rarely do you find someone that's just very aggressive, like makes you fear them more than any man in the movie, you know, like where you're like, oh, that's someone that would rip me apart. And I think that's what she does really well at where you feel like actually intimidated by her. And I think that's, like, what they were, it's like, I I love that she had beef with uh, Tom Hardy. What did they argue, what was that about again? Or is it just that they just conflicted?
0: Oh, yeah. I think um, she said that the two of them did get a little bit into a conflict, not, like, in a conflict, in a fight on set uh, for Mad Max, but that they definitely, like, butted heads a little. I think they're okay now. Like, that's not something that's long-lasting, but I think that in the context of filming, that maybe just their um, their process and their approach, maybe, to their characters kind of had them butting heads a little, which, you know, did kind of, like, play, I guess, good into the movie, because their characters don't get along at first.
1: And that's what I was going of thinking. They are very, like... It's supposed to be two opposites where her character is trying to protect these women and get them away from the situation, and he's just like, eh, eh, eh,
0: Did I tell you that I rewatched Mad Max Fury Road not that long ago, and I just still love it? I sat there, and I was like, this still holds up.
1: <laughs> I remember, like, because of the, like, kind of stories I like. I remember with that movie, you were like, do not like one dude or I will hurt you. Um, oh. <laughs> and I was like, no, never, like, yeah, the, the story is set up in a cool way, like, about these women escaping, and you
0: know, I'm all about that, but that dude is disgusting,
1: <laughs> mother's milk. Uh,
0: I know, I know, but... <laughs> That movie in general, though, is so fucking epic. It's just this long car chase with the one guy with a guitar playing. I mean, jeez, <laughs> talk about dedication to the craft.
1: <laughs> there was one dude that was, like, that you end up liking. And it's, like, one of those dudes.
0: Oh, um, the actor's name is Nicholas Holt. And I forget who he played in the actual movie, but he played one of, like, you know, the pale guys and shit. He was one of, like, Morden Joe, I think was the villain's name. And he was uh, one of his subjects. That is disgusting. So can I tell you that, um, you know, I it's something when you're an actor and you play a character that's so iconic that people say when you pass away, um, use that as a way to, like, honor you, and I kind of like that. I think some people don't, but I think that it's nice, um, say, when Chadwick Bozeman passed and, you know, people, you know, did the Wakanda forever um, hand signal and people were, you know, using that to say their goodbyes. I mean, I think that things like that are nice. Um, so the actor who played a Morden Joe, who is the villain of Mad Max Fury Road passed away a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, and so when he passed, a lot of people online were saying, you know, he's in Valhalla right now, you know, witness him and things like that, you know, things that are very much from the movie. And I think that some people could see that coming off as like disingenuous, but I think that that's just people's ways of, mourning someone or just wishing them like goodbye and i kind of like it like i don't know i even put out a tweet or two like i thought it was kind of cool people were like oh he's there shiny and new or something like that you know all the like the little things they said in the movie
1: i didn't realize he was actually the villain i think and
0: uh the first
1: he's in the first one as toe cutter and then to play the main villain in the next one was really
0: cool yeah, that someone pointed them out. Um, I wonder how that went. Like, w- was he ever thinking of Mad Max all those years? I mean, who did he audition for that role? Or was, you know, whoever's behind the movie sat there and said, let's see if we can get this guy to play like the main villain. Like, I always wonder how things like that happen just such a
1: cult classic maybe he's involved with more of the fandom type because you know mad max was so popular because i i knew about it before even the the new movie came out because i would hear people you know talk about how good it was back in the day so i guess it's just one of those things maybe it's kind of like with star trek there's a lot of characters we would like to see in the newer movies you know
0: oh yeah i mean I thought it was really cool in the new Star Trek that we at least got to see Leonard Nimoy reprise his role as Spock. Um, I thought that was really cool. But yeah, so Charlize Theron uh, is definitely number five as one of the most versatile actors in Hollywood. Um, Brittany, what's your number four?
1: Um, Before I say this, I'm afraid of accidentally taking another one of yours. Uh, Paul, let me name you. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, like, even though I haven't seen the movie, I am gonna go with Paul Rudd. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rudd. I think we talked about this earlier. It's like I think he's been so typecasted that he is always like the funny, like goofy guy, and you know, very like a very great comedic timing. But as you said before, and having seen the clips, what what is the movie called itself? Mute or The Mute?
0: It's just called Mute.
1: Where he plays the villain and seeing him be like the more aggressive type, where it's like there's not that funniness that he's known for, though. I'm sure he could crack a joke, but it would be taken in a very like, oh, I'm scared of you type way more than anything else. And just knowing that he has the capability to be able to do that, I really want to see him at the rest because I do think he has – the energy to do it. There's another movie I'm thinking of that he was in. Let me look real quick. That I was thinking of. But did we ever see him as being a hero in anything?
0: I mean, Ant-Man?
1: No, I'm saying but before that, did we ever think he would have been able to play a
0: superhero type? Um, oh, no. That was such a complete shock.
1: I think this is like we were so used to, like, all these other... Uh, Oh, I just remember I meant to not do Paul Rudd. I remember I changed, but it's okay. I'm already here. I'm along this path. (laughs) Go ahead.
0: My my other was going to be Adrian Brody. I
1: was going to replace Paul Rudd with Adrian Brody.
0: We can do that. I I (laughs) will. will,
1: yeah. Yeah. I remember I was like, man, I was like, why do I not feel as prepared for this? And I went, oh, I understand now. Okay. No,
0: no, no shade, Quarra, no shade, but we're going to replace you with Adrian Brody right now. I know, because
1: I had not seen the movie because I know that it's going to, like, traumatize me, but him mm-hmm. as, like, the pianist, which you're the one that told me about that, and you're like, I'm never going to be able to watch it again because it just rips your heart out. And then also, he was in uh, Peaky Blinders mm-hmm. as freaking, uh, oh, Lucas, I don't remember his last name, no, I'm trying to remember what his last name was, but to see him as a mafia type was so, like, exhilarating for me because you know I love, like, the early 1900s, like, mafia aesthetic. So to see him going from there to also being in King Kong, where uh, he plays the guy, doesn't he? No,
0: King, uh, in King Kong, Adrian Brody plays the author that um, Jack Black's character is trying to film you know, his film on. Like, he writes the script. Oh, I'm trying to... Wait, on what? In King Kong, 2005's version of King Kong, right, Jack Black's character is filming a movie, which is why he gets them yeah, to the yeah. island. And Adrian Brody's character is the script writer.
1: Okay, that's what I was trying to remember because I thought in, he was also in Skull Island. No. Mm-mm who's the one that flies them there
0: skull i mean skull island was takes place in the 1970s um whereas the original king kong well not the original sorry the 2005 version takes place in the 30s but they're not connected at all um oh, Tom it, Hiddleston. i thought yeah, i knew
1: king kong but i thought it, he played the tom hiddleston's character my bad No. (laughs) I'm the worst because I was looking at it. I, I get a lot of actors confused. My brain gets confused. He's also in Predator. He was also in Splice. He
0: was also in, like, God, he's like, like, he plays a little bit of everything. So, before, so, you know, in modern day, right, we think of actors and we're like, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Paul Rudd, you know, all these great – and they're great actors, but the – when – in the early 2000s, the actors were Adrian Brody, Jake Gyllenhaal, things like that. Um, And Adrian Brody just gave – I think Adrian Brody's, like, um, quote-unquote, rise to fame – his claim to fame, sorry. Adrian Brody's claim to fame – was his role in The Pianist, which I watched a few years ago, and it fucking broke me. I will never watch it again, but not to say it's a bad movie. It's a phenomenal movie. It's just one of those movies where, you know, we see a lot that takes place during World War II, so I think we've become maybe a little, say, numb to world war ii and when you see the pianist and it's like taking place during world war ii times you sit there and you're like this is going to be like other war movies i'm prepared for this but it's a movie about the holocaust and that i don't think is something we see often and the way it's presented is very real there's really not a whole lot of like there's not a whole lot of like music during certain scenes you know it just feels very real it feels too real Uh, yeah so but he did a phenomenal job in that role um he was in this he was in the village he was in this crazy movie called the jacket oh my god Brittany! i remember i'm looking at his filmography now this movie was one of like the bugged out movies that i've ever seen like he is a guy who like goes into a straitjacket, into, like, this cubby hole, like, you know, in a morgue where they put, like, the bodies, and he, like, yeah. pretty much goes on. And it's, like, him going under, but it's him then, like, living in this alternative, like, life reality or something. It's so bugged out. I remember watching this movie. I'm just, like, now remembering. I was like, oh, my God, that shit was crazy. Um, but, yeah, so he was in King Kong, which I love the 2005 versions of King Kong, um, he was in Splice, which I actually like Splice. People didn't, but I did. Uh, he was I think in it's because sh- he, he, like, fucks the creature. Yeah, I know it's weird, but, like, how old was I when this came out? 2009? I was 19. I yeah, know. that was right at my alley. <laughs> yeah, I, just,
1: I just think it was, like, a brain fuck for people.
0: Yeah. Um, he was in this movie called The Experiment, which was really good. It was essentially a different take on the, God, what the fuck was it called? The real life experiment where they got people and put them in a simulation like they were in a prison, and they took it, like, way too fucking far. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. There was, like, a real life... But I'm not sure. Really quick, there was a real life experiment back in the 70s where they took, say, college student age people and had them in pretty much a school, but some were assigned to be prisoners and some were assigned to be the prison guards and put them out and saw how they reacted in, like, how do people react in a simulation when they're told what they are? Um, and that was it. It was, like, a really intense experiment that actually got, like, cut off after only a few days, even though it was supposed to last, say, like, two weeks or something. Um, so... So, this movie, the experiment was essentially I think inspired by that because they were all adults, and he was in it, Forrest Whitaker was in it. It was just really good i 'm just saying I liked it um i'm trying to see He's what so also good at Peaky blinders though like I loved him oh, I like
1: yeah. he was so suave though
0: i so I love Peaky blinders in general. But I think the fourth season was particularly good because he played this Italian American gangster, and I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect that from him. I wasn't expecting that from him, and I thought he did really well. It's like, oh, Adrian Brody's good at this.
1: I, I remember I watched it, I was like, who is this man? And you're like, it's <laughs> Adrian Brody. And I was like, oh,
0: <laughs> he was really he was dangerous, and I feel like. He was one of the only ones that could go, like, to- you know, like, with Tommy, right? He always seems to have a plan. He always seems to be, like, one step ahead. But I feel like Luca was the only one who could surprise him.
1: Yes, I think it was Luca, not Lucas. I don't know why I said Lucas. Luca. I'm have
0: to the John
1: Bernthal idea. I don't know, Too. There's too much going on here.
0: <laughs> it's all right, Brittany. It's all right. But yes, Adrian Brody, definitely um agree with you. Phenomenal actor, one of the most versatile. Um, and yeah. So let's go to number three. Now, I wanna make sure I don't pick your last one. Does the first name start with a P? Yes. Okay, so I'll pick someone else.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
0: No, girl, I got plenty on my list. I'm just trying to look. Okay. I know who I'm picking. <sighs> so, who I'm picking is someone who should not come at Wait, sorry. I'm like writing down. Please bear with me. I'm trying to get like my freaking Okay. <laughs> who I'm picking Who I'm picking should not come as any sort of surprise. If you've listened to my podcast, you know that I am quite a big fan of his. And, of course, it's going to be Scoot McNary. Um, I think Scoot McNary is one of the most versatile actors of all time. Go and look at his filmography. He plays a plethora of different characters. It's insane. From a nerdy guy as Gordon to a badass coke villain in Sleepless. He also plays Walt in Narcos Mexico. He has the ability to play scary, to play funny, to play serious, to play sweet, to play intellectual, to play douchebag. Um, I mean, to me, I feel as if every role that he has played, every role that I've seen has been different in some way, if not in a big way than other roles before. He
1: has a way of like completely making them his own. Because I would have thought when he was playing Gordon Clark that he could have played a character that would have been one dimensional. Oh, he's a nerd and he really loves computers and he's just really hard working. It's like, No. He was intricate to you. Like, he was, like, a man that had been pushed to the edge, who still loved his technology, but feeling beaten down. He loves his kids, but he feels unfulfilled. You know, watching him grow, watching, like, and he was an angry little bastard. I thought he would be kind of, like, cowardly. No, he was just, like, a ball of
0: crankiness. He really was. He definitely, like, as Gordon and Halt and Catch Fire, he was definitely cranky. Um, but I loved it. I loved the layers that he brought to a character like that, similar to a character like uh, Walt in Narcos Mexico. To me, what's always so great about that character is I'm a huge fan of Narcos. I'm a huge fan of Narcos Mexico. I think Brittany and I even at some point did a top ten where we talked about top ten moments from Narcos and shit. And for the most part, every character in those shows are always based on a real-life person. Walt is not. Um, Walt was made up for the show as essentially a... He's pretty much they made him up to be a combination of all the people who were there taking down these narcos at the time, right? But what you calls it, I mean, how like multi dimensional even Walt is. I mean, he started off in Season one is just being the narrator. We get a little glimpse of him at the end of season one. In season two, you think, okay, this is just a guy who he sent there to get this shit done. And then for you to, like, learn more about his character where he brings this, like, utter human side to it of someone who is, you know, who experiences loss, who experiences regret, humility, compassion even. I mean, one of the best scenes in Narcos Mexico season two is him talking with uh, Pablo Acosta, who is a drug trafficker, someone who Walt should hate and should be looking to take down, and him saying, like, you're not a bad person. You know, I'm going to help you. I am I have to help you. You know, it's just so amazing, like, what he brought to that character. So I love it. Like, Scoot plays such phenomenal characters. He's so different in everything. Um, Jesus, what did I watch him recently in? Oh, God, I watched him recently in the Comey report uh, where he played Rod Rosenstein. He played this, like, weaselly little asshole so well. Um, he was just, he's just so good. He
1: was like, he seemed skeleton almost.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, Scoot did such a good job in that role. So my point is that, like, Scoot just plays these really great characters. He seems to be the type that just really... He's a character actor, so he goes all in with the roles that he's playing, Um, and I think he's, like, not afraid to be fucking weird, if that makes sense, like how he was as Don in Frank, right? He's not afraid to, like... You know, he's not wooden or anything like that. And it's just great. I think he's a phenomenal actor. I think he's incredibly versatile. Um And he can play a lot of things. Like, I'm still sitting there waiting for him to be brought back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, to be fair with you, Brittany, and I'll say this before I pass it along to you, I feel like the superhero genres have kind of failed him a little because... In Marvel, he played that. I'm just saying in Marvel, right, he plays a little character that from a short film that no one, like many people probably even have heard of, right? And then in Batman versus Superman, his fucking role went nowhere. And I'm like, the superhero genre needs to not fail Scoot McNary.
1: I am going to say, he would not let them down. I feel like he would be someone that could stick with it forever.
0: I mean, he seems like the kind of guy who stays with shows or like, franchises. I mean, he was in four seasons of Halt and Catch Fire. Um, he's returning for a third season of Narcos Mexico. So I think, you know, he seems like the kind of guy who just likes to work, honestly. Well, <laughs> yeah, I can dig that. It seems like a dude
1: that just gets lost in his work.
0: I mean, shit, right? It's amazing. I, he he's got time now. What would
1: you say? I said he didn't he get a divorce. I said he's oh. got the time.
0: <laughs> I thought that's what you said, and I was like, Brittany. You <laughs> say things like that.
1: <laughs> I know, so uh, I. But I, I'm, I'm saying, uh, having gone through a divorce myself, it's like you do like find yourself going, you know what. I want to just, like, do something different. I want to just, like, focus on that for a hot minute.
0: In Brittany's case, one week. Uh, no? What did I say? Uh- <laughs> it's... <laughs> um, you know what I want to say, though, about that? I'm sorry. I love you. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I to pay.
1: You're getting it after the show.
0: <laughs> um... You know, Scoot McNary was in this 2010 movie, which I think was one of his first movies, called Monsters. And what would you say? Hello? Oh, man. I was was losing you for a second there. What? Yeah, I was losing you, too. It's like, we lost Brittany here. Are you here? I know. it's, It's... Keep saying that the call is poor connection. Oh, well, that's that Arkansas uh, connection for you. Hey,
1: it's not always Arkansas. I got one gig internet here, bitch. <laughs> uh, I have like full bars, everything right now.
0: And so do I, girl. So do I. Um, but can you hear me now? Good. <laughs> I can feel I can, I can, it's a little, like, punky, but, like, it's good. You know what I mean? That's so weird. I don't understand that. Well, what? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep talking then. Um, I was just going to say, you know, Scoot McNary was in that 2010 movie called Monsters, um, and the woman that he's playing alongside with, is the woman he would end up marrying, but then divorcing in 2019? And I remember when I first watched Monsters, I was like, "Oh, these two have like really great chemistry with each other." And then I realized I'm like, "Oh, this is the movie that like they met and like fell in love with each other, and then decided to get married over." And I'm like, "That's awkward," because <laughs> now they're divorced. <laughs> it's really sad now. <laughs> it's like oh man if someone like brings up monsters to him is he just like don't talk about that <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, so like, uh, i'd be sad if you ever want to rewatch that movie and you just see like the time you were like once still in love with your partner and that's like the good times oh it would give me nostalgia
0: Right, right, so that was the one thing that I sat there and when I was thinking to myself, oh, these two have really great chemistry with each other, and then having to say, like, oh, no shit, because they, like, really were digging each other in this movie in real life, so no wonder they had great chemistry <laughs> with each other. But, um, what did you, yeah. you say?
1: Okay, now I can hear you. I haven't been able to hear you for the last little bit, but I didn't want to say anything and then interrupt you, so I just waited until your voice came back in.
0: <laughs> so strange. Let's move on. Um, Brittany, what's your number two?
1: I say, going to say my number two
0: is going to be
1: uh, Pablo. I always have trouble saying his last name, but is it Schreibner or Shrybner? Or Shrevener. I don't know. There's a B somewhere in there and I get confused. But I was going to say, like, he's been so freaking good. And for that reason, it's like, my first like, real experience with him was with uh, Sweeney in American Gods, and it's like he played him so well. to play like, this Irishman and, like, the accent, and it's like, yes, he's a very unconventional leprechaun, but, you know, without giving spoilers in case anybody's catching up right now, you know, may not always be the case. But uh, just seeing him at, like, being able to be this big rough dude that is more like, three-dimensional he's very like I don't know he's just very like cool but then I think it was Tia that was like by the way he plays like the worst villain in Law & Order SVU history and I was like oh you know it's Law & Order but you know he can't be that bad no Tia knows he was scary like absolutely freaking terrifying and what he puts fucking like uh, what's her name right now I can't think of it Ben. Um, what? Benson. Yes, Benson, what he put her through and like what he was doing to other people and like the sheer abuse that they faced. And it's like, because he would leave them alive most times, wouldn't he? But it was that he damaged them so badly that he was like, oh, I'm in their head forever, which is really fucked up. And now we see him, and he's going to be playing Master Chief from Halo, and that's so good. It's just, like, he plays a little bit of everything. And also, he's also in that one movie where he plays, plays like, a really, like, bad drug dealer that used to be in the military and like like twisting these like high school students to like do his bidding like he's just I don't know he plays a little bit of everything but everything he plays I'm just like oh you're really fucking good at
0: that so great pick by the way you can hear me now right yeah. okay um my first introduction to Pablo Schreiber was when he played Porn Stash in Orange is the New Black. And that's the first oh, time I God. ever saw him. Yeah, and that was the first time I ever saw him in anything. And that's all I thought that that, say, actor was capable of, right? And then on Netflix, there was this movie called Thumper. Which is the one you were just talking about that popped up and it said Pablo Schreiber. And I was like, that guy looks familiar. I looked him up and I was like, oh my God, that's the same guy who plays Porn Stash And I was like, how, what, this guy playing this guy? But then I watched Thumper and the movie itself, it had like, the ending was like terrible. It had way too long of an ending. But he played this such dangerous character that I was like, I can't believe the same guy who played Porn Stash, played this dude. So then I saw him in that. I've seen him in 13 Hours, which is great. He plays a soldier. Um, watching him in uh, Den of Thieves was awesome. Um, but I think then when I was looking for more roles to check Pablo Schreiber out in, is when I came across American Gods, where he plays Matt Sweeney, and now everyone knows that American Gods is, like, one of my favorite shows of all time. But, yeah, I mean, the and the little differences between Pablo Schreiber, the fact that he's played, like, the goofy porn stash, the dangerous drug dealer, the psychotic killer, the grumpy leprechaun, um, the goofy soldier in 13 hours. I mean, and I'm super excited to see what he could do as Master Chief, even though, like, I really don't know anything about Halo. But I'm still excited because I think that Pablo Schreiber is a really good fucking actor that people, like, don't give credit for. Hi, was it Jawan that was like he better not take off the freaking helmet? Oh yeah, everyone. Every that was Jawan. It was like everyone who is a big Halo fan is like Master Chief better not take off his helmet. And I'm like I don't care. It's Pablo Schreiber. I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's like the like with the the
1: Mandalorian where they're like his whole thing is he has to take it off the helmet and it's like like oh. oh. Without spoilers, but still.
0: Uh, Well, I'll I'll spoil. Even the Mandalorian, like, broke that rule a thousand times, even in Season 2. They pretty much made it, like, apparent that, um, just really quick, in the Mandalorian Season 2, they pretty much made it apparent that Mandalorians do take their helmets off. It's just that Mando was raised by a very extreme religious sect of Mandalorians that don't believe in taking off their helmets. Poor Mando. I know. So there you go. But, yeah, Pablo Schreiber, my whole thing is that, um, you know, Pablo Schreiber is the half-brother of Leif Schreiber, um, who I think is more in the mainstream public eye. And so people kind of forget that there's, like, a talented younger brother. Um, And – I think Lee Schreiber is good as well, but I haven't seen him in as much as Pablo, and I want to say that Pablo's probably the better actor. I'm trying to think of what what Lee played in. Like, I'm looking real quick. He played Wolverine's brother in Wolverine Origins.
1: Oh my god, it's been such a long time.
0: <laughs> no, not the not the original X Men. That was a different actor. But in Wolverine Origins, which I guess now is a long time as well, um, you remember that movie, right? Ryan Reynolds yes. played a really sad version of Deadpool in it.
1: That one was so bad, I just should have watched that one out. I've seen all of
0: them. There's yes. some I definitely don't, don't remember. Exactly. But um, yeah, Pablo Schreiber, Brittany, I 100% agree with you. He is a very phenomenal, versatile actor who he again is someone that I just can't wait to see more of. Um, so yeah, we are down to the last person on our top 10 most versatile actors in Hollywood right now or not right. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. Uh, We had a great list. We're down to number one. Let's read off who we had before we get to the number one slot. We had Hugh Jackman, Heath Ledger, Anne Hathaway, Jake Gyllenhaal, John Bernthal, Charlize Theron, Adrian Brody, Scoot McNary, Pablo Schreiber, and who I consider the most versatile actor for the number one spot will be Christian Bale. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> I think Christian Bale is a phenomenal actor and he is, he just like Scoot McNary is the epitome of someone who completely deep dives into whoever they're playing and completely just feels like a different character. I mean, his characters, I'll just give you a few example of movies where he plays a different character in each one of them, right? Yeah. Um, cool. Ford versus Ferrari um the dark knight the batman trilogy right uh um, freaking Equilib- equilibrium um american psycho the fighter the machinist vice um i could go on and on he plays a different character every single time and is so like holy shit and if you're someone right who You've maybe seen Christian Bale in passing and maybe you don't know some of the best movies that he's been. I'll give you a rundown of the movie. Most of the movies I just named right now, but the movies you have to see of Christian Bale's um, are freaking The Fighter, The Machinist, Equilibrium, um, Vice, the Batman movies, and freaking American Psycho. Holy! I still fuck. Have
1: never seen American Psycho, but I love like the memes of him like tossing that like where he like tosses something. I don't know what it is. He like kind of flicks his fingers.
0: I forget. But American Psycho, because he really is a fucking psycho in it. An <laughs> American Psycho, I love American Psycho, um, which is so bad. But he plays like an insane person who's just going deeper down the rabbit hole of insanity. Um, I fucking... Oh, my God. American Psycho is so good. I can't believe you've not ever seen American Psycho. American Psycho also gives way to one of my favorite scenes of all time where it's just so ridiculous of how accurate it is, and it's the one scene. I don't know if I ever showed you, like, the YouTube clip of it, but it's the one where, like, all of them are sitting down and they're comparing their business cards. And mind you, all of their business cards just look the same. But they're like, oh, look at the texture of that one. Look at the font of that one. You know, like, oh, mine's better. This is what mine says of me. You know, like, look at my business card. It's just so oh, like.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: But um, no, Christian Bale is scary in that one. I mean, insane in American Psycho because he, like, kills people. Um, but then you have uh roles like the fighter and the machinist where he drops like a shit ton of weight just to play the role. Um, or you have Vice where he's literally playing Dick Cheney and he's unrecognizable because of all the makeup that's on him. But the performance that he did in Vice was just scary good. Um and I love to to me he's still my Batman. He's still my Bruce Wayne. Um, and, yeah, I just think he's a phenomenal actor. I think he can just do it all. He can transform himself. Um, even in, say, Ford versus Ferrari, where, say, Matt Damon and Christian Bale were both billed as the main characters, I really, like, you didn't even notice Matt Damon next to Christian Bale because his just acting was just overshadowing everything else. So. Christian Bale is a phenomenal actor. He's incredibly versatile. He can really just plunge himself into anything. He's played, you know, as I said, he's played drug addicts. He's played superheroes. He's played freaking intelligent people. He's played, uh, you know, killers. He's he's played them all, and he's just good in everything. I've never seen a Christian Bale performance and said, eh, he just did okay.
1: I think it's like he's the type that if you ever see him in a movie that's not good, you can definitely say, like, it's the writing and not him because whatever he does, he throws himself so wholeheartedly into it that you know that it's not from lack of effort on his part. Like, I would rarely ever say, like, if I saw him in something where I didn't care for the movie, I would still be like, well, at least he was great.
0: Because I think that Christian Bale is really picky about the roles that he decides to take. Um, it, I think that he thinks if he can't throw himself fully into it, then it's not worth doing, which is why I think that he must have been really impressed with Taika Watiti's script, or at least his pitch for Thor Love and Thunder, that he even agreed to be in it. Because I think a lot of people prior to that announcement thought that the MCU would be something that was, like, say, beneath um, Christian Bale. And now that he's going to be in this, which it's like we know Ragnarok, very colorful, very bright, very, you know, fun. Um, And so we assume that Love and Thunder is going to be somewhat similar. And for Christian Bale to, like, sign up for that, he had to have been like, oh, I'm super impressed with what I got here. And let's see,
1: you know, and not to just like beef on like DC and everything. I just had this thing recently where I—that was something I enjoyed about, uh, like with Ragnarok*, where it is brighter. But some of the DC stuff that's coming out, I feel like I need to bring a flashlight to watch it because that was through sort of like with the *Suicide Squad*, uh, the new one coming out. People were like, "Oh, it's so great!" and it does look great but it's almost like there's a dark filter put on everything. And it was like, uh, I, there was like one still that people were like, oh, this looks great. And somebody did like an HD lightened version. I was like, oh my God, I can see so much better. I actually know what's going on now.
0: I think I've also said that um, numerous times to people where I expressed that to me, it does look so dark. And it's like, I'm not talking, I think that's a thing that, and, again, not to, like, shit on DC because it's fine if you're a DC fan. And I was a big DC fan before the current DCEU. I mean, I loved Christian uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, right? But it's, like, I think people think that when MCU fans say, oh, DC's too dark, they're thinking subject matter. And it's like, no, 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 I'm not talking about the subject matter. I'm talking about... It literally is so dark I can't fucking see anything. And to me that shows that they don't have a good budget because they can't show – like, all right, I'll give you an example, okay? And this really isn't a spoiler. Wonder Woman 1984 just came out. The entire movie was bright as hell, which was great for seeing, you know? And then at the very end, Diana has to battle against Cheetah, which is essentially Christian Kristen Wiig, um, looking like – a humanoid cheetah, you know? Yeah. And con- and conveniently, that's the only scene that's filmed in the dark because obviously the CGI wasn't that great for cheetah. And it's like, to me, they're purposely making these things dark and impossible to see because their graphics and CGI aren't that great.
1: Like, you can see the movement, and it's like, eh. Because yeah. I will say, like, even Christopher Nolans, he had a way of being, like, gritty and dark, but you could see what was going on.
0: Exactly. Like, it, like
1: exactly. when he fought Bane, mm-hmm. I, I, like, you could see what was
0: going on. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with you. Um, so, and to me, like, while Thor Ragnarok was a lot of fun, right, it certainly was. It had its, you know, serious undertones to it. Um and I think that they were able to pull that off while also being brighter. So I don't know. But I'm just saying, I'm excited to see Christian Bale in Thor Love and Thunder. I mean, that's insane. Who would ever think that Christian Bale would be in an MCU movie?
1: I know, especially because he probably had such a big DC contract for so long saying, hey, don't act in like anything in like MCU for a long time.
0: Well, yeah, because he was Batman. I mean, he was Batman, the Batman. (laughs) He was my Batman. (laughs) Batman. (laughs) Um, Oh, my God, what was I going to say? I completely forgot. But, yeah, so Christian Bale definitely takes the cake for our list, but we've had a ton of great actors here. Brittany, before we wrap everything up, did you have any honorable mentions that you'd like to throw out at this moment?
1: I would go ahead and go along with Paul Rudd, but also Jeffrey Dean Morgan.
0: Oh, of course. I was very surprised that he wasn't on the list officially. I know, I know. I'm the worst. Oh my god. <laughs> um, for me I had Chris Evans and Angelina Jolie. As my honorable mention. I almost put Chris Evans on the list. So that was perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So they're definitely great, but I want to hear from you guys. Um, Who do you think is an incredibly versatile actor who takes the cake for you? Let us know if you agree with our list. If you don't agree with our list, um, Make sure you check us out at geekvibesnation.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram, Geek Vibes Nation. Make sure you check that out. And as I said, I always welcome for people to tell us where uh, – not tell us, to tell us what you think. Um, and if you have any ideas for a future top ten episode, please let us know because we do this every Sunday. But, Brittany, please let everyone know where they can find you. I know that you got a new YouTube channel that you should probably plug right now. <laughs>
1: I was going to say I started my YouTube channel at Itty Bitty Brit. It's all lowercase. I was really surprised I got that name. But apparently the other Itty Bitty Brit had capitalized I, B, and B. So that ended up working out. I uh, have two videos up right now. Did Bindi and the Ink Machine are also my highlight reel of uh, playing Stardew Valley and the shenanigans that can happen from just playing a simple farming simulator and uh, screaming at the fish I can't freaking catch because apparently they made it so gosh darn hard. But <laughs> but if you want to see that live and in action, you can find me on Twitch at Itty Bitty Brit. And Twitter at Itty bitty Brit zero, which is a great way to keep up with, like, my schedule, everything happened on, or pictures of cats sleeping on my face. Because that's been a running thing right now of waking up with whiskey trying to suffocate me.
0: You know, it's what they do. It's what they do. But, yes, please, everyone, make sure that you check out Britney. Um, that's really exciting. I know that it's only going to grow uh, further, and I'm just super excited and proud of you. But... Um, also, I wanted to mention that yesterday we did on the Geek 5's podcast YouTube channel, we did a massive collaboration with a ton of other geek outlets such as Geekly Good, Seen and Nerd, the Nerd Rage podcast, the Main uh the GOAT podcast. Um, shit, I'm trying to think who else was there because there were so many fucking people. Oh, uh, Kind of Nerdy Girls and Kind of Nerdy Dudes. Um, it was just this amazing Collaboration where we talked about the first two episodes of Wand Division. It was so cool. Um, so please make sure you check that out at Geek Podcast. Make sure you subscribe because um, I did a thing where I saw that 90% of our viewers on our YouTube page do not subscribe. So make sure you subscribe there because uh, we're amazing. But everyone, thank you so yeah. much uh, for joining us for another top 10. We will catch you next week. Bye. Bye.